welcome to the Human Flourishing Project. I'm your host, Alex Epstein. On today's show, I'm going to continue my now, this is now the third episode on nutrition, and there will probably be a bunch of these. I don't plan to do this every week, in part because some weeks I want to talk about other things. Often I'll be reading in the background, so I won't have an update any particular week. Uh, but this week, I just wanted to give you, this is going to be a short episode, but I wanted to give you a brief update on some reading I've been doing that I'd encourage you to do just so that we can share it and share our analysis of it. And then a couple of of other things. So for those of you who have not heard the show before, this is probably not the best episode to start with. You at least should start with the first nutrition episode. But anyway, this is the Human Flourishing Project. The subject of this show is human flourishing, which means human beings living to their highest potential. And that a big part of that is how do we live in a, a way that's successful in both the mental realm and the material realm. And one big roadblock to answering that question is that it's really hard to find good knowledge about what advances different aspects of human flourishing, including the almost purely physical aspects like nutrition. And so nutrition is one of these issues where we feel like there must be some good knowledge out there, but it's really hard to find. There's so much non-knowledge and it seems like a lot is at stake in getting it right. So I'm choosing nutrition as a topic to try to get some knowledge about, and my focus in it is not just randomly exposing myself to claims about nutrition, but focusing on my, what I call a knowledge acquisition system, looking at the different processes that I use to find good knowledge, to validate it, to integrate it, to separate real knowledge from non-knowledge, and as I, so I'm exploring nutrition, but at the same time, I'm looking at, I'm trying to implement the best practices I know for knowledge acquisition. And then as I go through nutrition, I'm hoping to learn a lot more about knowledge acquisition. So an update on where I am. This week, I was working on a lot of uh, different projects, and I, I didn't spend as much time as I would like to on nutrition reading, but I did find a good reading for our purposes. Last, in the last couple of times, I mentioned that I had decided to start, whether this is a good idea or not, by reading some of the work of Gary Taubes, who had training in science and has a lot of method criticisms of the nutritional establishment and had some interesting ways of thinking that seemed promising to me, but also because he's prominent, he's had a lot of mainstream people respond to him. And I really like seeing different kinds of debate so I can see who conducts themselves, how well. And, and uh, it's uh, I personally like looking at debate a lot. I'm not sure that's the best starting point, but that's one that that I like because I think I'm good at, at figuring out who's better and who's not and, and, and intuiting a lot about method, even if I'm not super familiar with the issues. So I decided to read him, and then as I've been reading him, I saw that there was this discussion in a publication called Cato Unbound. Now, the Cato Institute 
is a very free market think tank in the Washington, D.C. area. I, in fact, happen to be what's called an adjunct scholar there in their Center for the Study of Science. Uh, and that's a cool title to hold, and I like their Center for the Study of Science a lot, which is why I joined. But I, I'm not doing a lot of active work uh, there, and I'm certainly not getting paid. So I, I don't think I'm, I count as too biased. But I was actually very impressed because they had this, they had Taubes submit a an article, and this was particularly on the relationship between sugar and then certain other conditions, particularly diabetes, that are connected to things we don't want, like obesity, maybe heart disease. So he's talking about his view of the role of sugar. And then they had responses by one is this guy, uh, Stefan Guillenet. I still haven't learned how to pronounce his name. I apologize. And then there was a doctor, a pretty respected doctor. And then there is a really interesting researcher named Terence Keeley, whom I met once, now, he doesn't have nearly as long a treatment as the others, but he's really interesting in that he's very focused on how government intervention in scientific discussions can lead to all sorts of uh, formulations of monopoly positions, often formulations of premature positions. Maybe I'll have him on sometime. I, I met him once and, and found him very, very interesting and thoughtful. So I'm guessing he put this discussion together, he has a bit of a comment, but it's mainly Tobbs and then these other two. And what's great is then Tobbs gets to respond to them and then they get to respond to him. So we've got a couple layers of back and forth. And I think there's some there's some interesting raw material to get a sense of how the different people think. So if you want, check these out yourself and let me know what you think of them. And I, some specific questions, just generally, what do you think of the debate? But then more specifically, whom do you think is the most earnestly trying to come to the truth? Whom do you think is the most skilled thinker? And who does the best job of addressing his opponents? So what do you think of the debate overall? Whom do you think is most earnestly trying to come to the truth? Whom do you think is the most skilled thinker? Who does the best job of addressing his opponents? And maybe one other one is who does the best job of addressing his opponent's criticisms of him? Because that's, that's, there's your opponent's arguments. And then when your opponent hits you with something, and sometimes some, the opponent hits us with something powerful, and then there's a question of, okay, do we really acknowledge that or then do we focus on something else? So I will put a link to that debate so you can check it out and give me your answers to these questions. All right, next thing I want to talk about with the nutrition issue is I got a good compelling criticism of the approach I've been taking. I was talking to a philosopher friend of mine and asked him to listen to some of these podcasts because I wanted his opinion. And I just, I, I just, it's always good to have smart people's opinion on what you're doing, uh, particularly when you're doing something that's speculative and not sure what the best way to proceed is. And he he gave me a good criticism or at least something to to think about in how I've been approaching this. And he said, this is my 
interpretation. I'm part not giving the name because I don't want to attribute a specific view to anyone in particular. Maybe I'll have them come on sometime to talk about it or to talk about other things. But the point he made is that when we're talking about systems for knowledge acquisition, a very big issue is where do we start? Where do we start looking for things? And he said, and I agree with this, there's a danger of just starting out with the claims that are most salient for you, even if the reason they're most salient is that they were influenced by media talking about them a lot or just some sort of accident of just happened to come upon them. And with, you know, there, there can be a real danger then of finding commentators who are charismatic, who have compelling ways of expressing views but who are way outside the mainstream, but but for reasons that are not of merit, but actually they might be cranks in some way. And his, his view was, rather than start with Tobbs, maybe you should start off with a respected summary of mainstream views, including getting a sense of what's the state of consensus or non-consensus, and then look at criticisms of it. So he said, maybe start with nutrition textbooks or ask doctors I trust about different guidelines that are out and which ones they think are good and then what the criticisms are and start there. And I think this is a this is definitely a compelling thing to think about and something I'll I'll continue to track uh, when I because I'm taking a certain approach of looking at debates among people who seem methodologically perceptive and who seem intelligent and who seem to represent a lot of different views, including mainstream views. And so I'm taking that approach to try to get at who's doing the right thing. But the approach that my friend suggested may well be the better approach. And in particular, it may be the better approach just to say is a is a general approach. And when he, he gave me this comment, it made me think about, okay, why did I take this approach? Why am I focused on debate, and I'm, I'm focused in particular on a pretty extreme view. Extreme doesn't mean wrong, but it doesn't mean right. But you know, Tobbs is, is very far outside the mainstream. He has extreme views or at least hypotheses on how damaging sugar is and focusing on that in particular. So sugar, I think, also includes uh, refined carbohydrates, like refined white flour. And so it made me think, yeah, why am I why am I doing this? And one reason I mentioned earlier is that I really like watching smart people debate because I feel like I get a good sense of how they think from how they address one another's views. So that's one thing. But then I realized another another reason I've approached it this way has to do with my own particular experience with nutrition including what I'm eating now. So I haven't talked at all about what I eat, but I, I feel like it's necessary to talk about that a little bit just so you get a sense of where I'm coming from. And so you can look for yourself, hey, am I making, is, is the system I'm using compromised by just where I'm starting from? So short version is been interested in nutrition for a long time. I'm somebody who can pretty easily gain weight. I've never been obese, but it's been pretty easy for me to gain weight. So I need to think, I felt the need to, to think and and sometimes be willful with regard to eating well. 
And years ago, I, I started finding the idea that sugars and other what are called high glycemic carbohydrates have a major thing to do with obesity. And I heard criticisms of the low fat viewpoint, at least the mainstream one, and those seemed compelling to me. And I'm generally somebody who's very wary of how government uh, government influence of a field, particularly the government taking positions in a field, can create intellectual monopolies and, and institutionalize a lot of really bad views or establish a lot of bad views. So I generally had the viewpoint of, let's say, limiting at least high glycemic carbohydrates, generally lower lower um, carbohydrate, higher protein. I wasn't super into high fat, but I've been eating this way in different different iterations over the years. And one one thing that I noticed was that I would crave carbohydrates a lot. Maybe other things too, but I would I would crave what I call junk food, and that this was this was not enjoyable. And and later, as I started reflecting on what does it mean to flourish, I really became against any way of eating where I'm just constantly thinking about food and craving things. So that's that's one thing where I just I thought, okay, there I need to eat in a different way so that this isn't happening. And then maybe a year ago, I started having some gastrointestinal issues, and, and I noticed that with different forms of food, I, I could feel really bad if I ate them, and in particular because I, I was in a certain condition at the time. And then it just made me think, okay, well, these foods that are, seem to be exacerbating the condition, maybe I shouldn't be having those at all, even, even when I'm feeling uh, better, even if there's no general condition. So in general, they, the advice was eat things that are lower in fat. And I forget the other specific ones. But it made me start to consider, hey, is there any merit to people who say that we should have lower fat diets, particularly plant-based? And I started exploring it. And I saw that at the very least, these people had much better arguments than I had been led to believe. So that was a lesson to just read people before concluding things. And I started trying out different versions of more plant-based eating. And I definitely did not have, like, it was definitely nice in terms of gastrointestinally. I didn't, uh, I, I, I didn't find them, though, easy to lose weight on. And in general, I found myself gaining weight, although I wasn't eating totally consistently. And I was doing a lot of public speaking, a lot of traveling and not, not, planning very well with my food. So I got up to, I'm about six feet tall, and I got up to at least 205 pounds, maybe even a little bit more. And so I thought, okay, I, I got to do something different. And and But I was still generally liking plant-based approach insofar as that's an approach. So I, I had read and I thought, oh, there's an interesting group of people who do something that used to seem crazy, but who are eating mostly potatoes, which used to seem insane because potatoes are high glycemic carbohydrates. Won't that make you fat? But then people seem to eat it. And what a lot of the people eating it, they mention potatoes are very nutritionally complete, lots of different vitamins and minerals in them. But also the people claimed that that in my words, they were flourishing with it, that they weren't craving, that the relationship with food had changed. And so I thought, okay, this sounds like an interesting way to eat. So I started trying it out. And at the beginning, I started losing weight, which I think happens under most different ways of eating, particularly if it's restrictive. And then I asked some doctors about, hey, is this dangerous? And they said, well, it's probably okay, but 
just make sure you maybe get a little bit more protein and fiber. So I just decided, okay, I'll combine this with, if you want to know exactly what it is, this shake called Garden of Life. I think it's called a raw organic meal or something like that. Not that I'm at all endorsing organic as a classification. So it seemed like, okay, this will balance it out a little bit, but I'm still going to eat mostly potatoes and see how that works. And in general, I lost uh, a good amount of weight and seemingly fat on that. And then also I noticed that, wow, I, I feel really, really good. Like when I do athletic activities, I feel really good. I feel energized. And just in general, I'm not thinking about food all the time. I feel much more in control. I'm not eating for uh, emotional reasons. Just was an interesting kind of thing. And then over time, I became a little bit less strict about it. And it's particularly sometimes eat meat or especially fish. I like seafood. When I would go out, I would have a little, you know, I'd get some of that. But in general, I'm eating mostly potatoes. And it's it's working quite well, as far as I can tell. So none of this at all, by the way, is a model of how to go about things, except that I'm testing things on myself. I think that's important. But in part, one of my motivations for exploring nutrition now is in the past, I don't think I've approached it with a particularly good system. But in any case, I've been eating a certain way. And then recently, I've been looking at other ways, and particularly the people who are almost the pure carnivores What's interesting about them is that there's lots and lots and lots of people, including people I know and respect, who eat that way. And then they, they're one of the few groups of people who claim that their way of eating works better than, than mine. And they're claiming to eat you know, once or twice a day. With potatoes, I have to eat several times a day. And I can imagine, yeah, if I, didn't eat, if I could eat less, that would be even better. And then I'm kind of intrigued that people are saying, yeah, their energy, they're claiming even better energy levels. And... So I, there's an actual question in my mind, hey, should I try this other way of eating? So this is part of my context, and I think it's important to say this just because I'm particularly interested in people who are advocating this high-fat carnivore lifestyle because that's actually something on my mind, should I test this or not? Even test Because even testing it can be involved, and the people who do it say that it can take a month or two to adapt to it. So it's the kind of thing I don't feel like changing unless I have good evidence. So I just wanted to, I hope everyone doesn't just go immediately try eating all potatoes. I guess I can't stop you. And I guess I've had mostly a good experience with it, but this is not at all. This is, I, I'm only telling you this as disclosure. So disclosing where I'm coming from and that can bias how I'm approaching the knowledge acquisition, or at least it can make it more personal. And maybe the way I'm doing it isn't good in general, or maybe it's not the best general way. So I just wanted to talk about that to give you a sense of where I'm coming from, and also anyone who's super curious about the way that I eat. Well, I just told you, I eat potatoes. If you're really curious, by the way, no oil or fat added to them. Uh, my particular favorite way of preparing them is with what's called an air fryer. That's a pretty amazing Thing and cutting them up into different kinds of pieces and then air frying them tastes good. But it's been an interesting experience. And whatever I learn about nutrition, if I learn anything, I'll be interested to see how that integrates with my experience with potatoes. It's interesting to see how, how do all these different experiences fit together. And I can imagine a lot of different ways they might, but that's not really the point right now. None of, none of my imaginings at this point 
would be particularly informed. But that that is in part why I'm particularly intrigued by these carnivore type approaches, but I really want better knowledge before starting those and because there's what's called the high opportunity cost of starting them and and in particular insofar as there are any concerns about long-term health, uh, cardiac disease, those are if if I'm on a path where I'm avoiding those, I don't want to get in a path where I'm getting more. But if if or I'm at more risk, but but maybe I'm not. Maybe there's a a better path. So it's very personally interesting to me, and hopefully it's interesting to you for the same kinds of reasons. That ultimately, if we can get really good knowledge of what's good for us, maybe that can make a difference in whether we get a disease or not, or how long we live. It definitely makes a difference in how we feel. So one one thing I think I do right is I'm really really aware of how food makes me feel in the moment and across time. And I put a lot of stock in that. And in general, I think I I put a lot of stock in how different kinds of time feel. And I've thought of doing a future episode on how to be a time quality connoisseur. So thinking about what the quality of our time is, including not in the conventional sense necessarily, of it's usually quality is referenced in terms of spending quality time with other people but i mean more just how do we like how's our energy how's our perspective how do how do we feel and i think that people don't optimize for quality very much and i think it's just very easy to in the pursuit of goals to neglect quality whereas i think quality should be built into the goals and we should pursue them in a way where the experience is quite a high quality experience. This is why I'm, among other things, really interested in things like relaxed productivity because I want, I want a certain experience of life, and I really love it when I'm getting that really high quality experience. Experience. All right. So those are the issues I want to talk about with nutrition. One other thing you might be excited to know that next week I am going to be interviewing my first guest. And assuming it goes well, it'll be the first guest that you hear on this program. And it is a psychologist. Why I picked this particular psychologist, I'll talk about when he comes on the show. Maybe next week or maybe I wait until a week after or some other week. But psychology is something I think I've studied a lot more than nutrition. I think I have a lot more insight on this person for various reasons I found extremely insightful and intriguing And so I want to ask him a bunch of questions, but I also want to know from you, what questions do you have about psychology? I've noted in the past that some of you asked about finding a therapist. So if you have questions about that, let me know. Anything else, can't promise that I'll ask it, but uh, shoot it to me and we'll see. So you can put that in the comments or you can send that to me at alex at alexepstein.com. And that's a good reminder of the different ways to get in touch. You can email me if you have any questions or comments. Email me at alex at alexepstein.com or even better yet, put them on the Facebook group at facebook.com slash human flourishing project. Also to get on the email list to get updates every week, go to humanflourishingproject.com and enter in your email. All right, so that is the brief update on nutrition. Also the news about having a guest on psychology. So make sure to send your questions about psychology 
and also your views on that Cato Unbound debate. I'm really interested in any take that you have. And also feel free to add any reverse outlines. This is for those of you who listened last week to that folder. We had a couple of technical difficulties, and one of you actually deleted some of the files. Uh, so we've figured out a way where hopefully you can't do that, but there are some better instructions now. So check out last week's episode if you want to submit any reverse outlines of anything you think is interesting in nutrition. All right, that is it for real. I'll talk to everyone next week. Until then, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been the Human Flourishing Project. <laughs>